You are listening to the Effective Statistician Podcast, the weekly podcast with Alexander Schacht and Benjamin Pieske, designed to help you reach your potential, lead great science, and serve patients without becoming overwhelmed by work. Today, we are talking about how to lead being an introvert, an interview with Fritz Lehmann. <music> If I look into my, to my data, it's pretty likely that you are, even if you don't know. So today we are talking about how you as an introvert can be a better leader. Be a better leader both from a supervisory perspective, but also from a cross-functional leadership perspective. And if you're one of the rare examples that uh, you're an extrovert as a statistician, you'll probably get some benefits from that as well because you'll better understand the majority of your colleagues. So we'll dig into lots of lots of great, great stuff with Fritz Lehmann. He's a very, very senior person, lots of lots of uh, experience, decades actually of experience in different leadership positions. And he has worked for a um, quite renowned institute. You'll learn about that in the episode now. This podcast is created in association with PSI, a global member organization dedicated to leading and promoting best practice and industry initiatives. Join PSI today to further develop your statistical capabilities with access to the video-on-demand content library, free registration to all PSI webinars, and much, much more. Just visit the PSI website at psiweb.org to learn more about PSI activities and become a PSI member today. Welcome to another episode of The Effective Statistician. And today we are speaking about leadership and especially about leadership as being an introvert. And I just know from experience and from surveys that I've seen over the years, I would guess about 70 to 80 percent at least of um, the listeners to this podcast are actually introverts. So it's a really, really important topic. And today I have a, um, an interview guest that can speak specifically to that. And that is Fritz Lehmann. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? <laughs> very good. I think I pronounced the name pretty German because actually it sounds like a very, very German name, but you're not German. Where are you from? Well, I'm actually not German. I have some certainly a lot of German blood, but um, um, I am from the north part of the United States in a state called Ohio. Okay. So introduce yourself a little bit what have you been doing up to now and um, what's your day-to-day -day job looked like at the moment well I spent almost 34 years working for um, SAS Institute which I'm sure the 70 to 80 percent to 100 percent of the statisticians on the phone may have heard of uh, yep. so was, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so I was there for for like I said almost 34 years uh, started out in tech support, went from tech support to teaching, uh, teaching SAS classes for SAS. Uh, was in R&D a couple times, consulting a couple times. When I retired, I was the chief um, customer officer 
uh, senior vice president, actually executive vice president of consulting, tech support, publications, and a few other things. Today, after retiring for seven weeks, uh, I've uh, taken a job with some old friends of mine who own a consulting company called Zenkos. Uh, I'm the chief operating officer, which allows me the opportunity to run a lot of the day-to-day operations and um, do a lot of things that I, did, I didn't get to do back when I was at SAS, get my fingers dirty again. So I'm sort of, I was sort of retired, but now I'm having fun again. How about that? <laughs> so to say, semi-retired. It's, it's similar yeah. to uh, a colleague, um, Gary Sullivan, that I'm working together with. He's uh, um, helps me, or we're working together on the leadership programs that we are providing. And he has also retired from the pharma mm-hmm. world and is now only focusing on leadership uh, trainings. But okay. uh, yeah, also uh, has a lot of uh, time to do some golfing and vacations and stuff like that. So, well, that, that, that's probably more retired than I am then. I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very good. So in terms of introverts, um, besides from maybe taking a survey um, and, and, or a questionnaire or something like this, how do you know that you're an introvert? Uh, that's that's a good question. Uh, and by the way, I have taken all the surveys and I've taken all the personality tests and they've proven out that I am an introvert on the far end of the scale. How do you know? Well, people, I think, have a, a false um, interpretation of what an introvert is. They tend to think of introverts as people who are very shy, which I think is probably a common trait, but it's not always true. Uh, they tend to think of it as people who don't like people. Um, and don't like to talk and, um, and things like that. And while that's probably true, just like anything part of the time, the reality is, is, is I think you recognize it by what gives you energy. If being around a lot of people and being in excitement and, you know, and just, you, you know, uh, just getting the energy off of a lot of people, if, if, if that's true, then you're probably not an introvert. You're probably an extrovert. If you're the kind of person who uh, it takes all the energy that you've got uh, to be in a public place, to speak, to be around crowds of people. If it takes all your ener- energy and, and when you're done, instead of wanting more, you simply want to go to the, your hotel room or you go back to your house, you know, and kind of get in bed and pull the sheets up over your eyes. You're probably an introvert. Um, but it doesn't mean you don't like being around people and it doesn't mean you uh, can't be a leader and it doesn't mean you can't give speeches and things like that. Yeah, I think there's lots of introverts that are actually quite great leaders. I had, I think most of my supervisors were introverts and um, they were good leaders. And uh, well, if we wouldn't have any good leaders in our, in our statistics community, that would be quite sad <laughs> if we yeah. would need to rely on only the 20, uh, 20%. And yeah. so, uh, that's, that's, Absolutely true. I'm actually personally, um, when I first did such a personality test, I was exactly in the middle between introvert and extrovert. And uh, I've done it a couple of times. And over time, I'm, let's say, due to shifting job requirements, I flexed more to the extrovert mm-hmm. part. But it's it's really comes from, let's say, training myself in that area i still i think after 
don't know, three days of a conference. I'm really happy just being by myself, flying yeah. back and, you know, yeah. not talking to anybody. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, no. You know, I, for me, I think age and learning and sort of coming to recognize who you are is a big piece of it. Uh, I am an introvert, you know, and, I, and I'm fine with that. I can teach classes. I can stand up in free front of people all day long. Um, you know, I, and, and I can, you know, put the energy out. I think you do learn. I think you, you've said it. You, you kind of learn a little bit how to adjust who you are for the time that you need to be a little bit more extroverted. Uh, but it does take a lot of energy to do that. And what I've recognized over the years is uh, to, to understand when I just can't do it anymore. You know, when you, mm -hmm. you know, we'd say when you hit the wall. So, you know, maybe all day long you, you get to be on your A game and you can be on and you can talk to people. Uh, you can lead. Uh, you can do all the things that you need to do. But five, six, seven o'clock in the evening when you're sitting down at the dinner table with six or eight or ten other people who expect you to be that way, you know, for another three hours and you hit the wall, you need to recognize when that happens. And uh, it happened to me at the uh, SAS conference a little while back, a few months back, and I was just sitting at the dinner table and I recognized mm -hmm. I can't do it anymore. And, you know, it, it's it's better for me to find a reason to get up and leave the table, go to my room, than to sit there and not be able to participate in the manner that people want you to. So it, yeah. it is it is understanding who you are and understanding when it's just too much. Because um, like I said, you're you're better off just simply going away than to sit there and be quiet or sit there and snap at people or be argumentative or whatever, because you've just run out of energy. It's better to excuse yourself. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's kind of managing your energy over the day Yeah, as it was, it's, you know, all kind of different parts of energy. It's also with, you know, concentration over the mm -hmm. day and other things. It's, it's, you know, having breaks in the day where you're just for yourself, maybe, you know, have a walk just for yourself or, you know, make a pause where you can be just for yourself or do tasks where you can just be by yourself, like reading or programming and things like that. That really helps a lot to so have this kind of rhythm that you're not kind of, yeah, yeah. being in meetings all day. That's, that can be quite... Well, just yeah. you know, depending on where you are, you know, if you're a C-level person at a big company and you're the keynote speaker at, at whatever the conference is, uh, you are the center of the world. And, you know, being at the center of the world, while, you know, it's nerve wracking, it's exciting, it's all those things. Mm -hmm. To your point, you need to find time to, you know, to, to find the alone time to be able to recharge a little bit. Because what you don't want to do, of course, is at that center point of the day when you are on stage and you are in front of everybody, hit the wall, right? Yeah. That, I mean, yeah. you, that's where you cannot do it. So, you know, I think I go back to, you know, as I got older and as I, you know, I've got a little bit better at recognizing things, um, I learned to do exactly what you said, to take some breaks, to go find a quiet spot, to go sit and think a little bit about, you know, what's going on for the day, gather myself, take a few deep breaths, you know, do, do whatever it takes to make sure that you conserve the energy that you really have to have at certain times. Um, and, and again, I think some of that just comes with practice and, and self-recognition. Yeah, absolutely. And so today we are talking about leadership and leading as an introvert. Mm -hmm. What means leadership for you? Uh, you know, whether it's an introvert or not, um, 
you know, leadership, a lot of leadership for me is being able to set an example for people uh, that people look at and they want to follow. Uh, you know, people talk about don't ask, you know, don't ask people to do something you wouldn't do yourself. And I think that that's probably true a lot of times, but, but I think it's, it's not always true, but it is true a lot of times, you know, but I, I believe that leadership is, is showing people the way, um, walking the walk, talking the talk. Uh, it's not being a bully. It's not being a boss. Uh, it is working with people and getting people to do the things you need them to do, giving them energy, getting them excited to do things. Um, communicating with them. Uh, I believe leadership is a lot of being authentic. You know, when you're with people, talking to people, make them feel like uh, you you actually want to be with them and talk to them. Uh, be authentic. Um, and, I, and I think if you do those things with people, you're honest with them. And I think honesty is a huge piece of it. Uh, people will follow. Uh, and I think that's the, those are the kinds of things people look in leaders. Again, I, I mean, I'm trying to be clear about this. Leadership is not just giving orders. It's not just being a bully. And there's a lot of people like that in the world. Um, leaders are the kind of people that you honestly want to follow on a good day or a bad day, almost no matter what's going on. You know, you don't you don't want to you don't want to follow a bully. Yeah, because you want to follow them, not because you're forced to follow them. Exactly. You know, that, I, I think that is the important thing. And yeah. The other point is leadership actually in itself is quite passive because all the action kind of the results are achieved by those that follows. You know, as a, as a leader, you can only do so much. You have, you know, just the eight working hours in a day, yeah. or maybe you mm -hmm. can have a little bit more, but, but, you know, it's quite fixed. But as a, as a leader, you can have an impact beyond that. And have, you know, get a whole group of people going in the same direction. And that mm -hmm. way you can achieve much, yeah. much more and have a much, much bigger impact. And, um, I think as you said, there's a couple of different features in it. It's, it's connecting with people, it's, mm -hmm. you know, building trusting relationship with people. It's about being good really as a communicator. And I'll think we'll can dive into that a little bit deeper in a moment. Okay. And I think authenticity, authenticity is really kind of the fundamental thing for building trustworthy relationship. Because mm -hmm. if people can't feel you, if people can't grasp you, if, if, you know, it's, if you're, so to say, fluffy and you're, you're not yourself, <laughs> then, um, it's really difficult to trust you and to connect with you. Yeah. I think that one of the, one of the things we, we as leaders need to recognize is people are smart and they're observant. Now, you know, you, you may not think they are, uh, but people, people see um, the truth and they observe the truth. And if you come across as being fake Uh, if they recognize that you're simply talking at them and not talking to them, if you don't look them in the eye, uh, if if they don't perceive you as being authentic, then you, you're facing an uphill challenge trying to get those people to work with you, work for you. I, I just I think that is just a huge piece of leadership. If if, if you don't build that trust and that authenticity, um, you're probably making a mistake someplace. You know, you you may get people to do things, but 
you know, when it really gets tough and you really, really need people to, you know, to do things with you, it may be a lot more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I, I once heard about uh, leadership is um, people follow three through even if you're not there. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, and I think that is uh, what you're speaking about. It's not, you know, forcing people. It's not um, hammering things and, and stuff like that, but it's convincing and uh, having really caring about people. And, um, yeah, absolutely agree. Well, yeah, and if, if people don't believe you care about them, then they're just an employee. <laughs> and is that really what you want? You, you just want a bunch of people who are just an employees. Is that really what you want? You get compliance, yeah. but not um, yeah, exactly. Uh, not not really exactly. commitment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, in terms of introverts, what are strengths for introverts in terms of this this leadership paradigm? And I think, as we talked about leadership, it's both kind of you know, being a good supervisor, but also cross-functional leadership. What what do you see we as statisticians being mostly introverts? Uh, what can we utilize from that to our advantage? Uh, yeah, and I don't, what I'm getting ready to say, I don't have any scientific proof of, I'm just going to speak from experience, but um, I think we, you know, as introverts at, at times tend to be a little bit more introspective. Uh, we, we, we do seek out quiet time because we need it, frankly. Uh, we just have to have it. Uh, so we can be a little more introspective, maybe a little bit more thoughtful before we speak. Uh, because for a lot of people who are, you know, are introverts, they, they may be a little bit more intimidated to speak. So, you know, I, I tend to think that thoughtfulness is an advantage. Um, I, I'm not going to say that an introvert can't be boisterous and I'm not going to say an intro, introvert can't have a massive ego because they can. Uh, but I do believe that, you know, some of our strength, it does come from our inside. We tend to spend a little bit more time inside of ourselves. And I think that that allows us to maybe be a little more forward thinking and, you know, and um, maybe we don't come across at times as being as brash or, Uh, you know, being the big personality that people, you know, just want to follow. Um, so I think maybe there's also at times a little more calmness to it. And I think that's a strength as well, especially when times need calmness. Yeah. And I think that is quite often the place in our hectic business environment and where there's mm -hmm. one firefighting session after the other. Um, <laughs> having calmness yeah. is, is a great asset because uh, that way you can make Good decisions and not hurried decisions. Um, exactly. In terms of the communication, um, what do you see there from your experience, introverts to better than extroverts? Hmm. Well, it, it, you know, it'll probably sound like a broken record a little bit, but you know, from a communication standpoint, I again, I tend to think that introverts are going to be a little bit more rehearsed at what they do because they think it. You know, it's in their head and they think it and it's in their head and they think it and then they think it again and they think it again before maybe it spills out. So they, they've had a chance to rehearse it a few times before it just comes out as an impulse. Um, you know, so, you know, so I think the, the, you know, the calmness comes back into it. You know, no matter how big the fire, like you said, I, one of my old bosses used to say, you could never tell if I was upset or if I was happy or if I was sad, he could jump me into whatever the biggest fire was and I'd find a way out. I don't know if that's an introvert trait or it's just a, you know, just a trait of mine. But again, I think, you know, if we, 
if we can take a step back and think about things before we, you know, before we blurt them out, I think we have a better chance of um, saying something that we're not going to regret later. Yeah, I'm thinking of a person that I know, know that was pretty quiet in meetings, but when he was saying something, everybody listened and it had an impact. Yeah. And it was yeah. not, you know, chit-chat around the table and uh, lots of volume, but not lots of <laughs> uh, yeah. um, content there. But he was more kind of lower volume, lots of content. Yeah. And, and, and that really can turn the needle in. But of course, you need still need to speak up. Yeah, but, but it then can yeah. dramatically turn the needle in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, you, you have to speak up, but, you know, I, I'm sure it's, you know, again, I don't have scientific evidence of this, but I'm sure that there's some truth or fact behind the fact that if you're a little more of an introvert, you're probably a little more hesitant just to blurt things out. Um, and I've been around plenty of people who, you know, the first thing that comes to their mind, that's the first thing they say. And that's very much not me. And it's very not much not a lot of the people that I know that I would put in the same category as me is we do tend to be a little more thoughtful. And it's not to say that people who say the first thing on their mind are bad people or there's anything wrong. It's it's just different. Mm. Um, and, you, and you learn to adjust to you learn to adjust a little bit your expectations to the people, you know, who are going to blurt things out and the people who are going to sit and listen. And again, I'll go back to if you gain the respect from people, you know, you, you are authentic when you speak, when you need to, people will wait for you to say something. They will wait and they will listen, as you said, because they know that when it comes, you have thought it through. Uh, it's not out of ego. It's probably not out of anger. Uh, it's probably not out of emotion. There's probably a lot of thought put into it. Um, so it has a lot of meaning to them. And people will start to look for that out of leaders uh, who are maybe a little more introverted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think in terms of what comes through, that is also the ability to listen more. So as you mm -hmm. don't have the urge to speak all the time, you have the ability to listen more. And mm -hmm. uh, in terms of communication, I think we often overemphasize the speaking, kind of the sending content, but underemphasize uh, under The, the listening part and um, listening, observing the different people, taking all the different things uh, into account and not just kind of sitting there waiting for what's my turn now and now I can speak and while the other is speaking, just thinking about what I wanted to say next. I think that is a quite important trait to have and a quite important skill to have to really yeah. be present and listening carefully and not just kind of thinking about the next steps. Yeah. You know, I've over the last 10 years have done a fair amount of speaking to university students and, and generally university students who were, you know, in the, getting degrees in computer science or, you know, some, something like that. And they tended to be a little bit more on the introverted side. I mean, when you talk to them, you could, you could see it. And they, I don't think they'd learned yet how to uh, come out of their shells just a little. But one of the things that I told them all the time uh, is, you know, as a consultant, certainly, but I think as a leader, as a person, you have to learn to listen. You have to learn to listen. But it's bigger than that. You don't just learn to listen. You have to learn to hear what people say because there's a difference. I can listen and I know that you're talking to me, but that doesn't mean I'm hearing what you're saying. So 
you know, I, I believe you need to learn to listen and hear and understand what people are saying, which, you know, I'm simply reiterating your point before you decide you want to speak. There's one of the things that you learn as a leader, and I think good leaders know this, is if you ask the right questions to people and then you sit and listen, they will tell you everything that you want to know. Mm-hmm. If you're a good consultant and you can ask the right questions and stop and listen, Everything you want to know about a project or anything that you're working on, people will tell you. If it's just in a private situation where you're trying to get to know someone, if you ask the right questions and then you sit and listen to people talk, they'll tell you everything you want to know. That is a skill. And it's a skill that good leaders, you know, they learn, you know, at some point in their life because it is a skill and it's, and it's a very valuable one. Yeah, it's sometimes embracing the silence and um, just kind of, you know, asking a question and then be silent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I think that ha- has lots of power in it. There's actually a colleague of mine uh, told me about that, that there's different cultures that um, have different rhythms of how they speak. Yeah. So there is people, there are certain cultures where um, you always start before the other ones has ended. So, so the, mm-hmm. the talking is over, always overlapping. Then there's certain mm-hmm. cultures where you don't have a pause in between. And then there's cultures where you basically have a pause between the two pre, uh, persons speaking. And, yeah. uh, he told me, uh, people from Finland have the biggest pause. And mm-hmm. that makes them actually quite good negotiators because yeah. <laughs> it, you know, they have the ability to listen and listen and listen and listen. They just don't speak all the time. So they get lots of, lots of information from the other person without kind of conveying too much of themselves. And I think that is a little bit also that goes into this introvert thinking. If you're, if you're listening carefully, you can get a lot of information and by asking the right questions, you can actually lead the conversation. I once heard that those who ask lead, it's not those who mm-hmm. tell mm-hmm. lead, it's those who ask lead. And, um, I was just recently in a, in a leadership training for myself and, um, it was quite interesting how, you know, uh, we looked into different situations and by those that focused on asking, and not talking too much, we're actually much better in leading and coaching the other person. I believe that. I was going to say, you know, trying to tag on to, you know, people, the, the pause. I think in the United States, we don't like the, we like a pause, but we don't like a long one. And if you, you, if you talk to the right people, right, and you understand that they don't like that long pause, I think, as you said, if you just pause and, you, and you're not going to break the silence, the other person will break the silence because they can't stand the quiet. So they'll, they'll find something to tell you because they can't stand the quiet, which as you said, then you learn more information because you're just going to listen. From an introvert standpoint, I think the other thing is, is it gives you time, gives you quiet time, gives you quiet time to think um, while you're listening to the person, but you've got to have the discipline to focus on what the person is saying and not just look at them while they're talking. Mm -hmm. And you've got to listen, you've got to hear it. Okay. Now we talked a lot about the strengths of being an introvert, but in certain situations, there's also limitations. What are kind of the 
major drawbacks that you see? Well, I, I think it's it's um, what I what I alluded to earlier. I, you when an, if you're a true introvert, and I think when you hit that wall where you simply can't do it anymore, um, you can't be in the center, you can't be the life, you can't carry the conversation. I get to the point, frankly, where I can't even carry the conversation. I can't I can't respond anymore. My tolerance just goes down. I will argue with people just because I'm tired. I'll snap at people because I simply don't want to be there. I don't have the tolerance anymore. So, you know, if you don't understand why that is happening to you and you just decide, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to write it out because I got to be here another two hours. You know, now it's a chore. Now it's work. Now it's, I have to be here and I have to talk to you because I'm here. Um, I'm not going to engage with you anymore. I'm simply going to be in the room with you. So to me, that is the, the, the big negative when you simply get to that point as an introvert where you can no longer um, be uh, with other, I hate to say it this way, but you can no longer be with a bunch of other people uh, mm. because you're no longer productive. You're, you're not a good part of the conversation anymore. You can't listen anymore. You can't hear what people are saying. All you want to do is leave. Um, that's the downside. And, and again, I think, you know, you, 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 if you're a true introvert, you need to learn to recognize when that happens to you, because when that happens to you, you need to find a way to either make it stop Excuse yourself. Go take a break. I think you said that earlier. Um, do something that gets you out of the situation where you're simply causing damage to your reputation and to your to yourself, possibly to your company, to your customers. You simply have to find a way and recognize that it's happening and find a way to to get out of it. Hmm. You mentioned earlier that you over the years you learned to flex your style a little bit and and you know. Um, yeah. show a little bit of extrovert behavior. Absolutely. How did you learn that? that that's a good question. I, I, some of it was, you know, as I rose through the ranks of, of a, you know, my position, I found myself more and more uh, in, in, in positions, in spots where I simply had to be different than what my, you know, my inclination was to be. I was giving more speeches you know, so I was on stages in front of hundreds, thousands of people. That's a, I don't know about you, but you know, I, <laughs> you know the, the 10 or 15 minutes leading up to it, I'm petrified. As soon as I get on stage, I'm fine. And I, I once I recognize that I'm, I, I haven't forgotten how to speak, you know, I'm on stage. Yeah. Okay. I can still talk, but afterwards I'm just drained. Right. But you know, the more I got myself into those positions, the more responsibility, the more I sort of recognized that I needed to sharpen you know, certain you know, parts of my personality. And, you know, at the same time, going back to that part, I also had to start to recognize how to conserve my energy for those focused times. Um, there is an expectation when you get into a high level leadership position, there is an expectation that you want to be in front, that you want to lead, you want to be in front. I was lucky that it happened over a period of probably 20, 25 years. I had time to grow into it. Uh, I had time to mature. I don't think it happened overnight. And, um, uh, you know, I tried over years to put myself into positions that were uncomfortable a little bit. I, you know, I said I taught classes, you know, I had to be in front of people. Um, you know, I put myself in positions to do different kinds of pre-sales uh, roles that caused me to be in front of people. 
you know, I, I knew that as, as I, you know, wanted to progress up a corporate ladder that I had to kind of challenge myself into those, uh, into those roles. I had good people around me. I should say that as well. I had good friends. I had good employees, a lot of good people around me who would kind of push me, you know, I mean, literally almost push me on stage. You need to go do this. You need to go do this, you know, kind of thing. We'll help you. We'll listen to you. We'll give you advice. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll put you through different kinds of trainings to help you. Um, so I had a lot of, I had a lot of help. Like I said, it, it, it all happened over a span of years, but, um, a lot of it was learning to take care of myself when I needed to take care of myself. And that was, that's a big piece of it. Yeah. I, I completely agree. There's a couple of, um, points that I want to reiterate. I think the first is it takes time. Um, but it also takes an effort to kind of go out of your comfort zone on a, on a regular basis to, to flex yeah. that. And that way you kind of shift the limits a little bit each time. And having a support structure there, as you said, you know, having good colleagues that give you feedback that, that help you with things that, you know, if you, if you are in a big auditorium, focus on the people that you like and, yeah. you know, watch into their faces. It's much easier than to watch into lots of different faces that you don't know. Um, yeah. And the other thing is, when you mentioned you're getting up to up to the stage, yeah, I think the mm -hmm. the most scary part is really beforehand because absolutely, then you can you feel a little bit helpless. So, so it's yeah. kind of you know. If you're in it, then you can control it. But if you're yep. before it, you can't control it. And um, when I have this kind of, you know, feelings that of nervousness and things like that, and I, I recently changed what kind of story I tell to myself. I am not telling me anymore the story of, well, I'm now nervous and, and uh, mm. you know, the world will end and, you know, it's it's will be really terrible. I'm I'm saying, okay, I I recognize all the hormones in my body are preparing me for uh, a presentation and for a good delivery. I need yep. this now to be able to perform on stage. And so so this is how my body helps me to set me up for success. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. just kind of reframing this helps help me actually a lot. Yeah, I, you know, I joke that, you know, every, a lot of times or almost every time I got up on stage, I, I, until I said the first words, I was not convinced that I would remember how to speak English, <laughs> now, English you know, English is all I speak. So, you know, okay. So, but I was never convinced until I heard myself speak that I would remember how to speak English. And I thought, well, today's the day I will not be able to speak. But I also learned a couple of things. Um, and then, again, I think this is the wisdom of a few years is that, uh, I'm going to make a mistake when I'm on the stage, I'm going to make a mistake and, uh, you know, better to laugh at it a little bit, move on. Uh, but the other thing is, is the, you know, the people that love you, the people that you're, are your friends, uh, w whether you do the best job in the world or you just do an okay job are still going to love you and still going to be your friends when it's done, you know, so, um, do the best you can prepare yourself, do the best job you can, but, Uh, remember, there's always going to be somebody who's not going to like it. Uh, don't focus on all the negatives. There are going to be a lot of people that are going to love it. 
you know, don't forget to give a little bit of credibility to the positives because people tend to focus on the negatives. But yeah. you know, the people that are your friends are going to be your friends. The people that love you today will love you tomorrow. The sun's going to, you know, the sun's going to set in the west and it's going to come up in the east. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you know, don't you know, don't give it any more importance than it really has. Uh, you know, keep it under control and you'll do fine. Yeah, yeah, completely yeah. agree. So uh, you pushed yourself on a constant. Um, constantly over your career. Um, was there any kind of mindset shift that you've seen for yourself to kind of embrace that so that you as a introvert can become a better leader? I'm, I'm trying to think if it has anything to be with, you know, to do with an introvert, I suppose, you know, I am what I am and, you know, I am an introvert. Um, I, th I think the, the, the biggest thing, you know, for me, probably my whole career was, just always not being afraid, you know, to raise your head up a little bit. Um, and it doesn't have to be a lot. I know plenty of people, I, I have plenty of people, plenty of friends who, you know, in their careers, they'll keep their head down as low as they can, right? Because when you keep your head down low, it can't get chopped off, right? <laughs> um, and, you know, I learned pretty early on, that if you if you do the best you can and you and you try and you honestly try uh one of the things i really i don't tolerate well is when people simply don't try right they just don't try but when you honestly try you do the best you can you make the best decisions that you can and you keep moving forward people will be very very tolerant of when you fail mm. and you are going to fail I think early on and through my career, I recognize that I'm going to fail. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to keep sticking my head up and I'm going to stick it up a little bit more and a little bit more. And maybe that's part of the learning process of dealing with being an introvert. You keep sticking it up a little bit more, a little bit more, uh, but never so far probably that you're going to go from answering the phones and tech support in 1984 to president of the company in 1985, right? It's, I'm not going to yeah. stick it up that far because, <laughs> yeah, you know, you know. But over the span of 20 years, you stick it up a little more, a little more, a little more. Before you know it, people recognize you as the person who's not afraid to take a little bit of a risk. You're, you're, not, you're not afraid to kind of raise your hand when you want to try something or somebody needs some help. You know, so, so for me, just you know, kind of coming to those conclusions that failing is okay, learn from it, deal with it. Just keep trying as hard as you can at what you do. And, and, and people, are, people will be awfully tolerant. Uh, because you'll get more right than you get wrong. And if you stick your head up. Yeah, and I completely think it's it's better to fail than never have tried. Yeah, yeah. I I I, I that that I think is something that most people need to learn. They need to learn early is and I think corporate America, my opinion is a lot of corporate America does a very bad job at this. They they tend to think of failure as just we don't ever want to fail. We don't ever want to fail and And if you fail, we're going to come down on you in a very bad way because you failed. And I think that's wrong. Um, obviously, there there are different kinds of failures, and um, you know, there's malicious failure. There's there there are things that you can do that probably you 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 probably should get in a lot of trouble for. But like I said, I think most people will be tolerant of people. You know, failure is a harsh word. Maybe you just don't succeed as well as you should have. But if you put the effort in and you try very hard, you do the best you can. You're honest about it. And if you don't succeed perfectly, like I said, I think people can be tolerant of that because, you know, they know that it, it wasn't because of, 
you know, omission. It wasn't because you just sat back and let it happen. You honestly tried to do what needed to be done. Maybe things were out of your control, maybe not. But I think corporate America can do a better job at that. I think we need to use failure as a learning experience. There, there are other groups of people in the world who I think could do, you know, do a better job with that. But we're going to learn far more from some of our failures than we do from the success. And uh, and we're better and we're better people. And I thought the German industry is much more worth of us than the US industry. Yeah, I've spent I've spent quite a I've, I've spent quite a bit of time over my career over in Germany, and I, you know, lot of, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Okay. Thanks so much. That was really, really good. I think we talked a lot about um, leadership, being an introvert. Yeah. We, we touched on different facets in terms of the communication kind of says it's really important to um, just accept that you're that and it's not a limitation, but there's a lot of strengths no. that come with it, especially from the listening side that it's, however, also requires you to kind of push your box personal boundaries on a consistent basis and uh, build yeah. some kind of help systems for yourself to be successful. As an end, uh, where does listener learn more about you and what you do on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, you know, you can Google my name if you Google Fritz uh, Lehman, which I'm sure it's been spelled for people. Um, You'll, you'll find several of us in the world, but uh, you'll you'll find out that I was a lifelong swimmer, a, co a competitive swimmer for almost 40 years. Um, you'll find out, you know, that I do volunteer work for a lot of uh, organizations. Um, but if you just you go out and look at my name or if you look at www.zencos.com, Z-E-N-C-O-S, you'll find me out there. You know, it's kind of an open book. There, there's there's not much about me that's that's not out there someplace. Okay, so, yeah. And of course, we'll put the Zencast link with the, yeah. uh, with the bio into the show notes. And um, okay. thanks so much for this really, really nice interview. I think there was a lot of, lot of gold in there for uh, pretty much most of our listeners. And for those that are extroverts, Maybe you can, you know, understand a little bit your, your, the majority of your colleagues that just behave different yeah. than you. <laughs> I, I, I hope so. And, you know, I'm, you know, I'm sitting here laughing because now all I want to do is, you know, go find a quiet place and pull the sheets up over my head. <laughs> The nice thing is about a podcast is that you can't see the audience. You don't know that you're speaking to hundreds of people at the moment. So, so, yeah. uh, from an introvert perspective, that's actually a quite nice medium. And, and, yeah. uh, yeah, also the, the listeners, you know, you, you listen to it while you're by yourself. You're not sitting in a huge yeah. auditorium with, with, you know, lots of, lots of people. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the opportunity and I thank you very much for letting me come on. Thanks so much. Bye. All right. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. He's a really, really nice guy. This show was created in association with PSI, and I'm really thankful to Rain, who helps with the show in the background. Thank you for listening. Please visit theeffectivestatistician.com to find the show notes and learn more about our podcast to boost your career as a statistician in the health sector. Also, check out the LinkedIn group that we have. I'm regularly providing additional content there, and you'll get lots of lots of other stuff. So, join the community on LinkedIn. That would be really awesome. 
too. As always, reach your potential, lead great science and serve patients. Just be an effective.